It's that time again. It's the Captain's Log edition, where we take inventory of hot topics that have happened recently in the news. So since we covered the Pacific Maritime Association and the International Longshore Warehouse Union contract negotiations and the historical relationship last week in the rebroadcast, it made sense to take inventory of stories we may have missed. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain, presented by me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there's no attorney-client privilege created by this video. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. All right, so let's get into it. We're just going to go through a whole bunch of stories, uh, a whole bunch of different media trade press stories that we, we've seen today, different updates that I'd like to kind of cover. Again, this is the Captain's Log Hot Topics edition. So story number one, usually we go through our top three stories of the week. This week, they're all top stories. So story number one, we're still on the watch for language um, for a new supplemental call for comments with the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. Uh, this is the first of the rulemakings that we've been watching out of the Federal Maritime Commission. Um, it was set to be concluded uh, December 16th, which was six months after the signing of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act. Uh, it has not come out yet. They didn't conclude, but what they said was they some of the comments that they got um, were so thoughtful and, and really brought up some interesting points that they didn't feel comfortable turning over a final rule without going through another round of comments for some of the for some of the um, the issues that were brought up um, some of these issues were the documented export strategy um, some of the comments were what does that mean is is this an actual documented strategy that we need to file with the FMC now or is this just a, a general sense of business decisions and business uh, movement? Um, also, that there were some questions on the threshold for, um, is it just one criteria that the FMC is considering or is it multiple uh, criteria for unreasonableness for this unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate, um, potentially proposing elements and, and more specificity around the elements of considerations for the carriers um, in apparent unreasonableness ne to negotiate. Um, lots of questions that were, were really, like I said, very thoughtful um, and, and thought-provoking. And so, you know what? Um, Chairman Dan Maffei of the Federal Maritime Commission addressed the tardiness of the final text, but he said, look, getting it right is more important than getting it fast. I tend to agree. I think they're doing a good thing here, but we're still waiting on this language. Um, again, we have three rules that we're watching. We are watching the unreasonable refusal to deal or negotiate with respect to vessel space accommodations. That's the one we're talking about here. Uh, we have detention to merge prohibitive practices and billing um, invoices. Um, that's something that they had 183 comments filed. Um, it closed up the end of 
December. I don't think we're going to see anything until, I mean, if we see something in March, that's amazing. I'm guessing at least April. Um, again, they need to close that one up by June 16th, which is, would be one year um, past the Ocean Shipping Form Act signing date. Um, but Getting it right is is more important than getting it um, fast. So um, there were a lot of things covered in the D and D detention to merge practices rule. Um, I don't know. I think they could still make that deadline. And then the third rulemaking that we have not seen any language out on is unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods. I think this is one that a lot of shippers are watching. Um, it's they, there's been a few different areas that the FMC has kind of indicated that they might be moving with this, I guess, maybe reading between the lines, um, trying to kind of read some tea leaves here. Um, but I think basically, as we've seen across the board, the Federal Maritime Commission just wants to make sure that it's a fair, efficient movement of goods in the ocean shipping uh, world. And so that's where we're at. I, I think that will lead the day on this unfair, unjustly discriminatory methods rulemaking. Um, I'm just so interested to see the language that comes out of that. So we'll, we'll, we're still on rule watch for all of those. Um, so story number two, speaking of the Pacific Maritime Association and the International Longshore Warehouse Union, they released a joint statement just this week. Maybe they watch by land and by sea. And so they thought, oh, they're covering it. Maybe we should address this. I doubt it. <laughs> maybe. You never know. Maybe. <laughs> um, so in this announcement, and they, they certainly didn't address anything that we covered. Last week, we, as you as you recall, if you watch the show or listen to the show on the podcast, uh, we did a rebroadcast of the, of the Pacific Maritime Association and the International Longshore Warehouse Union. We had previously covered that last May, um, talking about... Just that the the contract was expiring, talking a little bit about that, but moreover, talking about the history of the relationship between the two and how previous negotiations have gone. Um, so we did a rebroadcast of it just last week because I thought, you know what, it's been a while. Um, it, it was starting to kind of get a little what's going on with the negotiations. So I thought it was a perfect time to do that rebroadcast. Um, and so just yesterday, they released a joint statement um, on a, about their negotiations. So in the announcement, uh, they said that they they actually continue to negotiate and remain hopeful of reaching a, de- a deal soon, which is which is great language, right? Uh, we we all hope they reach a deal soon. Uh, they also continued and said the parties have not have agreed not to discuss negotiations in the media as collective bargaining continues. Okay, so they're kind of letting letting everyone know. That what's in those negotiations are staying in the negotiations. Um, so they continue. Negotiations began on Tuesday, May 10th, 2022, and the parties have reached a tentative agreement on certain key issues. That's great to hear, right? Um, some of the things they said were including health benefits, and they remained committed to resolving remaining issues as expeditiously as possible. That's great. And and health benefits was one of the major things that we were kind of anticipating was one of the um, issues. There's also been some talk of jurisdictional things, maybe Oakland, Seattle, um, but... Who knows? Because what they continue to say is talks are continuing on an ongoing basis until an agreement is reached. But here's where it really got kind of interesting and maybe a little pointed. Uh, They said negotiations are not open to the media or the public and news articles purporting to know what is happening at the bargaining table are speculative at best. During negotiations, West Coast ports have continued to operate. That's interesting, right? I, I, I just I found that interesting that they put that language in there. Um, there certainly has been speculation on how the negotiations are going and how long they might continue to go. Um, I, I kind of like that they hit it right on the head and said, look, nobody knows but us. And it takes as long as it takes. Okay. 
Got it. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I've even, like I said, read that, that jurisdictional issues over, over Seattle and, and I think Oakland was mixed in there too. Um, maybe that wasn't ever an issue, right? I, I don't know. That's what they're saying is that, um, any sort of reporting out was speculative. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I just kind of like the spice there. Um, but overall, I mean, you know, it, spice means drama and, and really we, we just want a, a, negotiation. We want this to come to a conclusion. Um, I think both parties probably more than anybody else want this to come to a conclusion. So hopefully we can get there soon. All right. Story number three. This week, Freight Waves held their global supply chain week. And on Tuesday, it was Maritime Day. Um, and one of the interviews that I found really interesting was that of Peter Friedman of AgTC, um, Agriculture uh, Transportation Coalition. Um, so in that interview, he talked about the potential of an OSRA 2.0 or, or a second follow-on Ocean Shipping Reform Act. And and let me, let me just kind of preface this and kind of get, get into the weeds here. Um, so... The Ocean Shipping Reform Act that came about June 16th, 2022, if we want to get really technical about it, technically was a 2.0 because remember, there was an Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 1998 and the original and all of the, all of this, this Ocean Shipping Reform Act, what it's reforming is the Shipping Act of 1984. So that's the original document and then 1998 came along and reformed the 1990, the 1984 document. And then again, we had in 2022, a reform of, I guess it was the 98 version, but, but also ultimately pushing back to the 1984 version. And so now there's talk of another ocean ship reform act. So they're saying 2.0 because that's recent memory, but really, I mean, it's probably like a 3.0 if we're being technical about it. <laughs> Either way, it looks like we are maybe in, in, in the works. There's in the works for a ocean ship reform act of maybe 2023. Maybe it doesn't get pushed to, to 2024. Um, I don't know how long, um, or the appetite kind of politically there would be for another ocean ship reform act, but maybe there would be, um, so he talked about that, and he talked about the potential for that, and that it, there's talks continuing. Um, but one thing that I found very interesting was he brought up one of the things that might potentially be part of those discussions is FMC, the Federal Maritime Commission's inability to deny alliances. Um, I've been talking about this quite a bit, that the FMC does not have the ability to deny or approve, really, alliances. Basically, the agreement is filed with the Federal Maritime Commission, and 45 days later... It, it automatically goes into effect. And so there's ways of stopping it, but I mean, they're pretty high, high, um, high bars to get over. And so really the only way that the FMC can directly stop an agreement after it's been filed is to file an injunction in court, in federal court to stop it. So that's a pretty big hill for something so important. Um, and that's even if like the agreement is just terribly presented, right? I mean, maybe it's a 90% market share and, and they're saying, nope, you got it. You, you know, the FMC is like, there's no way we would ever approve this. Um, and, and there it is. So historically, and, and we haven't, we've talked a little bit about alliances, but previously there was an alliance proposed. It was the P3. Um, and it was denied by, um, Chinese authorities because it had too high of a market share. FMC doesn't really have that ability, like I said, to deny alliances. And that's, that's oversimplifying, um, kind of the, the back and forth there. But, um, basically a, another global agency was able to deny it. Um, and that's, that's a big thing that the FMC just doesn't have that ability. Um, so 
I don't know. We'll see. So Commissioner Bensel and Commissioner Vekich have actually talked about this previously, um, saying, and they, they actually put out a, a letter to Congress um, where they were talking about how they don't have that, that ability. Um, and so what they talked about in that letter is that they would like to modify the process by which the commission reviews agreements and strengthen the commission's oversight of potentially anti-competitive agreements saying we believe that the commission should have the authority to disapprove agreements between or among ocean common carriers and marine terminal operators. Experience has shown that this process is cumbersome and time-consuming and would even argue that it's designed to impede the commission's oversight of agreements. Like I said, I, there, in, in the Ocean Ship Reform Act of 1998, there was a, there was a deregulatory, deregulation movement that was happening there. Um, this might have kind of been in, in that. Um, but really what it does now is now that alliances and, and these agreements are, these vessel sharing agreements are, are kind of so prevalent and people aren't really afraid of them. Um, although there was some, some bad press about them. Um, they're, they're, I would say unfairly so. Um, I would say that this is something that's so important. We, it's just an important check, right? There's five commissioners that would have to majority agree uh, to deny an agreement anyway. So there's going to be that kind of coming together moment. Uh, but to not have that ability, I, that's it's that's a big deal. Um, so hopefully, hopefully, uh, Peter Friedman and, and the rest of anybody who might be negotiating Ocean Ship Reform Act 3.0, as we'll call it, uh, 2023 or maybe 2024. Uh, we'll keep that in mind. I think that that might be a, a low-hanging fruit, but we'll see. All right, so story number four. Uh, Maersk is suing Evergreen over the Suez Canal grounding. Um, so this article came out of G-Captain, um, originally coming from Reuters, um, on February 13th. And so I went on the Freight Waves Roundtable with Dr. Sal Mercogliano. You probably know him. He has a great uh, video broadcast, um, What's Going On With Shipping, um, and Bill Priestley, who's who's the host of the Freight Waves Roundtable. Uh, we, we went on and discussed it a few days after that, that report came out. Um, but I don't think I ever brought it up here. And so I wanted to make sure that we talked about it. So we all remember the Ever Given, right? It got stuck in the Suez for about six days in 2021. All of a sudden, the whole world knew that, that these large vessels traversed the world. And hopefully, hopefully they might have learned that 90% of everything moves by ocean, uh, ocean, ocean shipping, um, ocean transport. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe only a few people learned that, but that's a few more than previous. So, okay. So the Ever Given got stuck. Um, and so Maersk was actually the next ship in line behind the Ever Given. So the, it was, the Ever Given was stuck for six days. Um, and so it was the Maersk Denver, which was actually a U.S. flag container ship, uh, part of the U.S. Maritime Security Program that was stuck behind it. Um, and actually, it was kind of a feat that they were able to stop in time before hitting the Ever Given. So um, hats off to, to the Maersk Denver for being able to, to maneuver and, and stop in time. Um, so if you do watch Dr. Mercogliano's show, What's Going On With Shipping, he let us know that the Suez Canal Authority never actually released a post-action report. Um, and so it got me thinking, maybe that's part of the legal strategy here, to actually force that report. Um, so general average was declared on the Ever Given, and so the splitting of the losses between all invested parties equally, which is the basic definition of general average, is is ongoing and maybe even getting close to concluding, and, and maybe maybe it actually has concluded. Um, but perhaps that's the strategy here, right? So if it's found that someone or something specifically was liable – Maybe that could open up um, more opportunities for those that shared in the losses to recover some of those so that they're they're not as beholden to um, paying for some of those losses. 
just speculation, right? And and since the losses, so in general, losses from delays are not part of what general average can cover. So maybe that's what the lawsuit by Maersk is trying to recover, this additional cost that they had to bear by being stuck right behind the Ever Given and essentially, you know, the, the last ship that was able to come out of the queue. Um, although I don't think they did come out of the queue. But so so I don't know. My my hunch is that we may see a post action report. I think that that's probably the legal strategy here, right? That the, that they were forcing the issue and through this lawsuit that was for that was filed in Danish courts, um, it may force a post action report um, to come out of the Suez Canal Authority, which will illuminate what happened, right? And and maybe even open up additional legal avenues of of who did what and, and maybe who who got. Who, who might be at fault? Um, who or or maybe maybe a few who's uh, might be at fault. So we'll see. I, I think it's interesting from a legal kind of strategy and, and legal um, yeah from a legal perspective, it's pretty interesting. So story number five, uh, this next story, we switch over to surface transport. Um, so back the truck up, an offshoot of freight waves and what the truck reported recent results from a freight, freight wave survey showing that a third of respondents would exist would e- sorry, excuse me, let me say that again, um, showing that a third of respondents would exit trucking if market upturn doesn't happen in the second half. So 35% of self-identified owner-operators said that they plan to exit the industry if the market does not take an upswing in the second half of 2023. And the story actually talks about how truckers are having trouble finding um, a haulage. So um, they also said just over 7.5% would say that they would actually consider signing on to a larger carrier. So we're having about 7.5% saying that they would recycle in the industry, but 35% saying that they would just exit. That's that's a big deal. Um, this story actually reported that while owner-operator salaries are up about sixteen thousand dollars, which is up two hundred twenty-four thousand up to two forty as kind of a general salary, um, their expenditures, owner-operator expenditures, actually increased twenty-two point nine percent, which is which is not what that sixteen thousand represents. Uh, most of these expenditures, as you can imagine, fuel, payroll, and maintenance. Um, so we've talked about the previous kind of inaccurate reporting of a driver shortage, um, saying that it's not actually a shortage, but a movement of drivers in the industry from kind of a sometimes untenable um, situation, you know, how, how the experience for the driver is not, not that great sometimes. Um, but this, this 35%, this would be an actual driver shortage, and this would have major supply chain ramifications. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, and you know, it was just a survey, so may- maybe that thirty-five percent, the accuracy of those who would leave, um, is lower. Maybe they were trying to say that to make a point, but we'll see. So, story number six: the Federal Trade Commission is continuing to review commentary on the proposed rule to ban non-compete clauses. We've talked about these non-compete clauses before, and Matthew Leffler is covering this closely. So, I recommend following him if you want to stay up to date on the Federal Trade Commission activities as it relates to this non-compete clauses ban uh, proposed rule that they, they've they come out with. Um, so we covered the Federal Trade Commission and the rule in a little more depth previously here on By Land and By Sea. Um, what we did was we kind of explained who the FTC 
is, the Federal Trade Commission, and how they compare to maybe other independent regulatory commissions that we're familiar with, the FMC being kind of the most notable that we talk about here. Um, Their proposed rule is open for comments currently, and that comment submission period will close March 20th, 2023. Um, So if you do feel strongly, get your comments in and be part of the process, right? Anybody can file comments, anybody, Um, companies, individuals. Um, So if you feel strongly, let, let them know, you know, kind of just either tell them what what has happened to you, tell them what your your has happened to your company. Um, they they want to know like how this rule would affect the industry in a real world scenario. Um, so on February 16th, the FTC actually held a hearing about the proposed rule to ban non-competes. Um, it was recorded and and I say hearing, it was it was kind of like a webinar broadcast, but it's a hearing. Um, it was recorded, so you can actually walk, watch the playback to catch up. Um, I really like watching these hearings sometimes when it comes to these rules because you get some of the like nuances of these rules, and you get to hear from the commissioners, and um, certainly some of the industry was was part of that. Um, we had we had the uh, the freight industry represented as well. Um, so something to to consider. I think that this is important um, to to keep an eye on. So that's it. Since we covered the Pacific Maritime Association and the International Longshore Warehouse Union last week in the rebroadcast, it really did make sense to take inventory of stories that we may have missed. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you do have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Squall Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, the e-learning, and general industry information and insights, come find me at The Maritime Professor. If you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Land and by Sea. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page by Land and by Sea, presented by The Maritime Professor. And while you're at it, check out our website, themaritimeprofessor.com. E-course is dropping soon. So until next week, this is Lauren Began, the Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. See you next time.